Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. This week, I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation with our special guest, Jelen Agnew. She is a LCSW and founder of Knowledge of Self, LLC. She's been working in the social work field for 16 years. She has her undergraduate degree in psychology and African-American studies from Temple University. And she went on to graduate from the University of Connecticut with her master's in social work and she's now an LCSW since 2014. So she is full of amazing information. She is so inspirational. And did I mention, she is a TEDx speaker. Yes, she is my dream. (laughs) But I think it's so amazing. And if you haven't seen her TEDx speech on trauma in the black community, definitely listen to it. It was so good. I listened to it twice. So definitely worth a listen. And during our conversation, I had so many mind-blowing moments with her that I, I hope that you have the same. We talk about manifesting our future, manifesting dopeness, having boundaries. We talk about our careers and possibly not even having a quote job. And I really love her insight on, on maybe you don't even really need a quote job. So definitely listen in towards the end for that. We also talk about what do we do if our values aren't aligning with our work and we get personal and share about our debt and finances and money problems as new grads. So I am Really excited for you to hear this conversation. Let's listen to a short ad from our sponsor, The Rise Directory, and then we'll get right into the conversation. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Rise Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Welcome to the Social Workers Rise podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Today is Thursday and I had a great training earlier this morning. Oh, did you attend it or did you give it? I gave the training. Nice. What was the training on? It was this training slash workshop that I created called Confronting Anger and Fear. And it really is for practitioners of like, hey, we teach these skills. 
how is emotion regulation going in your own life? Mm, I like that. I, lo- I love your yeah. workshops. Um, I was on your, I was stalking your website and it's just beautiful, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, your workshops, I mean, we'll talk about them, but yeah. Um, confronting fear and anger, manifesting dopeness, black men, unlocking the power of vulnerability. I mean, I'm not even black or a man, but that sounds so interesting. So necessary. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I, I love hip hop and I listen to, I'm a big like person who likes lyricists and I'm like, oh, you have so much trauma going on. Like you need, you should really mm-hmm. see a therapist. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then, um, and then you can even create custom workshops for people. That's fabulous. I do. I do. I, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of agencies in different places have needs for their employees and not really sure where to look. And you can go get the regular trainings that everybody gets. Or if you have something in, in, in mind that you feel like your specific group needs to work on. Um, I love doing that. So yeah. it's a service that I offer and it's it's been amazing. That's awesome. I love that. So tell us about like who you are and what you do. We already <laughs> talked about your workshop, gave a little <laughs> teaser, but like who who is Jalan? So I am Jalan Agnew. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Been in the field for about 17 years. I've done it all in home, outpatient, inpatient, residential, rehab. Uh, you name it, I've done it. I've worked with a lot of beautiful humans. And I absolutely love working with, I don't even like the term clients, but I love working with people. In the last five years, I opened up my business, which started off as a private practice where I took majority um, Black women as clients. I'm shifting more now into workshops and trainings, but I still have the same passion for healing in the community. Um, I'm also an adjunct professor at a university. I also, my other hustles are kind of real estate. I'm also a real estate agent and a landlord. So I just like to do a lot of things and I have a lot of energy and I love to keep things moving. I love to keep things fun. I love that. You have just done so many different, um, different areas of social work and it, you beautifully um, exemplify what it is to be a social worker and how to use all your skills in these different areas. Yeah. I think sometimes um, people think social work and they think a very specific task. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think one of the reasons people go into social work is because it is so broad. A lot of us have a a lot of different interests. So if you can mix your interests with healing, then you found like that's the biggest flags ever. That's powerful. If you can mix your interests with healing, what did that look like for you? Um, Well, it looked like a lot of trying. When I first started, I had a workshop coming out every week and it was something new and something new. And somebody said to me, I can't even keep up with everything you're offering. You might want to slow down a little bit. So in the beginning, it looked like for me having a conversation to be like, oh, that'd be a good workshop and trying to create something. What it looks like more to me is I have this kind of library of information in my brain And making sure I have everything kind of written down in catalog. So when people do reach out with a need, now I can create something based out of the the information that I already have. So it's, it's started out as me going out and getting, and it's more so me receiving. Now I'm, I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction and 
when you put out that energy of like the chase, the chase, the chase, everything's a chase, but I'm kind of sitting back and letting things come to me and kind of letting people figure out who I am and get to know me in a training space. And it's been, it's been great. Is that what manifesting dopeness is all about? Because I feel like I'm constantly chasing sometimes and, and I have, I've, I've heard this, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on what it's called. This um, the saying, I guess, if you will, or I guess, I guess it could be a manifestation where it says, um, "I do not chase; I attract. What is mm-hmm. meant to me, what is meant for me, will find me." Absolutely. And I should probably start saying that again because when I was saying it on a regular basis, when I was feeling happy, when I was like in my in my zone, it happened. Like good things were coming, right. and then I stopped. I stopped focusing on that. And, and things just slow down. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. So my, my manifesting dopeness workshop um, comes out of that. You're absolutely right. It comes out of, and I'm, my beliefs are my beliefs, right? Everyone has them, but I've realized in my own journey and I've had a a long, very long journey, struggle with mental health, struggle with addiction. Um, And so me coming out of the other side of that, I just want to share everything. So what I've learned about kind of manifesting and wanting things and moving forward is that your energy has to match where you want to be, not where you are right now. So Mm -hmm. you start becoming that person. You create that person. What does that person dress like? What does that person read? What does that person do? And the more you you do things that are in alignment with who you want to be, that's when you start to attract things on that level. Now, that, that can be spiritual or it can literally be like, well, when I started dressing different, I started attending different things, which then led me into meeting different people. It's a kind of physical and spiritual parallel process. But the point is, you want, if you want to be somewhere or you want to do something, putting your body and your mind in that space already. And a lot of the things that I have, like my last biggest manifestation was getting a TED talk in LA. And I've been talking about doing a TED talk for years. And I even end every post I do on social media with thank you for coming to my theater conversation. Like I'm trying to make <laughs> this happen in my life. Okay. Um, so So what happened was I'm putting that out there. I'm saying it. I'm speaking it as much as I can. And somebody that I know um, from a a work group posted that she's doing coaching on doing a TED Talk. So I'm like, boom, I'm happening to scroll. I reached out to her. She says to me, you know, Jalan, I'll be honest. When I made this post, I thought about you. So now we're already in alignment about what my goal is. So my first class with her, she says to me, Jalan, this is weird. Yesterday, they asked me to host a TED Talk in LA. And I said, so what you're telling me is that on my first day of class, somebody asked you to host a TED Talk the day before that? And that's what I mean about manifesting of you put your mind, body, and spirit where you want to be and things start to happen. So coincidence that the timing was like that, you can call it coincidence. I like to say I manifested it. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I mean, sink or swim girl. And I saw that Ted talk. You definitely swam the shit out of that Ted talk. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had so much fun up there. Yeah, I could tell it was amazing. I mean, I watched it and it was, it was a little bit longer, right? It wasn't one of the four minute ones. It was like, how long was it? It was like 10, like 10 minutes. Yeah. And I usually, Mm -hmm. to be honest, I usually won't watch people for 10 minutes if I'm like, man, whatever. Uh, Because I got got stuff to do. 
But for you, I was like, dang. Like, you blew my mind in that Thank TED you. Talk. It was so good. I, I'm a, I, I put the link in the show notes for you listeners. Perfect. Because um, you need to go watch this. It's amazing. Please, please, please check it out. Like and share. Um, and it's, it just, it's one of those things of like, it was funny because I was having a hard time writing my talk and, you know, my cousin started giving me this lecture of like, this is something you've wanted forever. Like, are you going to let fear get in the way? I think she said to me, like, are you going to be on the Ted talk stage or are you going to be outside of the Ted talk in the tour bus? And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> that, that, that stung. Like why I got to be in the tour bus. But I think it goes to the point of like, as we're on this human journey, um, we get close to things we want and fear kind of backs us out of them. Right. Or we convince ourselves that we don't, there's some place we don't want to be. And that's again, where my anger and fear workshop came from of like, no, let's lean into some of those emotions. They don't have to be as scary as they present themselves as. I don't know, Jalon fear. They, they sound scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> And so, that is, yes, that is an honest answer. And I love honesty. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, it's safe over here in my comfort zone. <laughs> yes, comfort zones are amazing. <laughs> and, and you know, don't get me wrong. Like, some, some people are comfortable in comfort zones, right? Life has supposed to have comfort in it. But when the second you want something more, the, sen- the second you launch that desire, that's when the uncomfortable feelings come. And that's when the fear comes in. Hmm. So a lot of people who listen to this show are newer social workers to the field. They're trying to figure out their life. They have this job that they're like, oh, I don't know if this is right for me. Like the, you know, maybe the work environment is bad or the workload is just wild and they're mm-hmm. stressing out and crying on the way to work, you know, yep. and if, if they have this goal of, you know, a job where they're valued, where they make an impact, where they make a difference, where they can truly help people, like, what would you say to them? How would you even begin to start manifesting this change? Hmm. That's a good old question. I'm trying to think back to my, my, um, you know, a a time where I might've felt like that. I think one of the biggest things that always helped me and in my experience that being connected to my why every day is what helped me to get through things. So a lot of times it's the it's more so the politics and the workload that is the stressful thing. Like mm-hmm. I would always say, like I would prefer my quote unquote clients be my source of stress, but they are not. In fact, it is my supervisor. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was leaning more into the work, right? So all of the meetings, all the notes, all the paperwork, all the phone calls we have to do, that's tedious. But I would spend the majority of my energy in the work with my clients and kind of let everything else fall into the background. Because at the end of the day, that is what you're there for. And I'd also say, like, don't feel like work is all you can do as a social worker also, because there are a lot of ways that you can help. I think by broadening the way you think about help may shift that for you. And as social workers, we have a lot of guilt around making a lot of money and a lot of guilt about things that aren't stressful. And it's like, we have to shift out of that mindset of you can be helpful 
And that doesn't need mean you need to have stress in your body all the time. The two don't have to go together. And I think we equate the two sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, if I'm not stressed out, I'm not busy enough. Right. I'm not helping. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to this ad from our sponsor. And one of the biggest things, too, that I've seen is, is there's a kind of parallel process of change happening when you are a therapist working with clients. And my big thing, I, when I first started doing mindfulness, my coworker says to me, you know, you have to have a mindfulness practice in order to teach mindfulness, correct? And I was appalled. Like, what do you mean I have to actually do the things I'm teaching? <laughs> but I'd say that to you to say, like, all of the skills and things, all of the self-care, all of those skills, we don't use them on ourselves. Yeah, because it's hard. We, right. We teach them and then we go home and engage in all kinds of coping skills that we would tell other people not to. Yeah, go home and drink, like, eat fast yes. food, scroll on scrolling. Media. <laughs> scrolling, exactly. So it's like taking your your passion for your work, it should not exceed the passion that you have on working on yourself. Amen. I know somebody felt that one. Yes, yes. Say it your, again. Your, your passion is going the wrong way if you're exuding more passion into others than you're exuding into yourself. Your work with others, helping others is a parallel to your helping yourself. Doctors have doctors. Dentists have dentists. If you are a therapist without a therapist, there's a piece of your work missing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so true. I mean, we, we teach or we preach all the time about self-care, like, you know, lower your stress, blah, blah, blah. But yet here we are all stressed out, all frazzled, mm-hmm. and we don't do the things that we know we should be doing. We should be making ourselves a priority, but yet we don't because it's hard to keep those boundaries. It's hard. It is. It is. Yep. And boundaries is a great word. And especially in our field, where are your boundaries? One of the, and you know, folks probably are listening, you know, doing in-home, your own call 24 seven. That phone ring at 2 a.m., you had better stop doing whatever you're doing and be there for somebody else. That stuff impacts your nervous system. And it's really, really important to know where your boundaries are in every position that you have. And if your job pushes on, let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. Don't be scared to leave your job. Do not be scared. Do not be afraid to leave your job if you're not getting what you need in that position. And I think social workers too. I don't know what, we have a guilt thing where we're like, well, I don't want to, and I don't, mm -mm. if you are being impacted, if your nervous system is being impacted and you can find other means to provide for yourself or somewhere else, do not stay in a place that is abusive to you. Because how can we model that for clients? How can we stay, how can we stay in abusive jobs and be trying to help people get out of abusive relationships? Yeah, that's so true. And I think too, that leads back to our mindset because if we're thinking, oh, this is the only job that we're ever going to get and we're going to stay here forever. Um, yeah. No, it's that lack mindset. Yeah. Uh-huh. The abundance uh-huh. mindset and manifesting Correct me if I'm wrong, but it would be thinking of what is your ideal job and getting really yep. specific. So mm-hmm. I don't know how this works, Jalan, but I did this with my coaching clients. I they were all, they all had the same complaint. 
They were unhappy with their jobs. I said, Mm. okay, write down a job description. Be very, very specific. Who are you working with? What are you doing? What are your hours? What's the location? What is the setting? And I kid you not, within two months, they all had that ideal job. Mm. Yep. It is so powerful manifestation. I don't know how it It works. (laughs) Well, you just, you just said how it works. You're helping people manifest things and you're like, I don't know that that was manifesting. Absolutely. I mean, I guess, I guess I need, I need like a a research, like a research study, like a a thing in my hand. I'm an academic. It's, it's a terrible thing, but, um, but yeah, it's, it just, it, it works. Yes. It does. It works. And I'm going to take it a step back because even the word job is limiting. Mm, right. Because what if, you could, what if you could create beauty? What if you can help your community, but it didn't come from a job? What if you found a different way to do that? And that's why like abundance is, is, is a strange concept because we think like, I want to make $80,000 a year. That sounds abundant. $80,000 is restricting because abundance means abundance. So when you use the word job, you're already limiting yourself to a specific human experience. If you say, this is what I want to feel like every day, And this is how I want to help. And this is who I want to help. And I'm here to accept whatever money is mine, whatever abundant money is coming my way. I don't work nowhere. And yet, and still the money is coming in to provide for my living situation. So my point is sometimes when we're asking or we're manifesting things, sometimes the words we're using are too limiting. What if you get a, a contract for 50 grand a year doing what you love to do? And it's a six month placement. That's not a job. That's a contract. And now you can do with the other six months what you want. So I guess a piece of of some of the social work that we don't get taught and we don't realize is there is freedom. We have to believe first that there is freedom and we have to be open minded to what that looks like. I was a therapist. I was going to be a therapist. I'm transitioning out of therapy this year because I love trainings and workshops. I'm still doing. I'm still helping. But it's shifting a little bit. So I think even our language has to change when we're, we're thinking about manifesting things. Mm-hmm. And I love social workers providing trainings and workshops. I, I do that as well. And I, I love it because you're able to take the conversations that you have with individual people. And a lot of times they're the same issues. Mm-hmm. They're the same things going on. Um, even though our clients don't feel like it, they feel like they're so alone Um, But we as a therapist know these are the same issues and you can take that conversation and amplify it to, to however many people are in your training or conference. And you can speak directly to the hearts and souls of a hundred, 200, a thousand people, whatever it is. um, Right. And do, or do a Ted talk and you can speak to the hearts and souls of however many people watch your Ted talk. Right. It's just amazing because we can take those same tools and resources and interventions that we use with one person and use it in a group with it. It's a beautiful thing. It's so amazing. It is. It's, it's freeing. Right. So I, that Ted talk could have been a session, right. That could have been 10 minutes of a session, but now it's something that thousands of people get to view. And that's why I'm, and that is still social work, right. That is still advocacy. That is still justice work. So if we shift a little bit of this mindset of social work, only being agency work, it sometimes frees us up to see other opportunities to do things. 
Like exactly. my girl Brene Brown. I love me some Brene Brown. I am going to have a Netflix special. Hear me say it. <laughs> Manifest 101. I will have a Netflix special. And I love her. She still gets to be an expert in her field, but she's taking it to a place where now she does it on a, a level that impacts thousands and thousands of people. It's still impactful. It's still social work, even though she's not a social worker. Is she? I know she's a she doctor, is. but I'm not sure. Yeah, but her yeah, degree's so in social work. It's still social work. It's still advocacy. So it's it's shifting what that looks like. It's not all agency work. Mm-hmm. And yes. agency work is very valuable. Don't get me wrong on that either. Yeah, she does a lot of research. I've been following the latest drama about her podcast and Spotify and free speech. And OMG. Oh, yes. That's a mess. That's a mess. I just... It's, it's, Why racist people got to mess it up for everybody? I just, I love Spotify. <laughs> Spotify, geez. Oh my God. It's like a balance of free speech, but right. do we want to be spreading stupidity? <sighs> right. It's it's tough, but but mm-hmm. yeah, I think, um, you know, no, and also to we want to work with what it is that you stand mm-hmm. for and Sometimes reevaluating your values. Some of us come out of school and we have one set of values when we went in and a different set when we go out. And then we wonder why we're not connecting with the position that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yep. How would you recommend someone reconnect with their values or reevaluate? I think that's that's one of those things of like, that's when it's time to turn inward and, and the cliche thing of do some journaling and figure out what's important to you and what's not. A lot of times we struggle at agencies because we don't have the same goals as the agency does. Our goal is to be helpful to a family and the agency's goal is to make whatever quota that they need. So it's really seeing what you, where your values stand, what's important to you, who's important to you, what outcomes would look like if they were perfect in your own mind, and really sitting with kind of what, what impact do I want to make? What do I care about? What gets me going in, in the morning? Those things are more important. And I think that's where sometimes the friction or the resistance comes from because the agencies don't have the same values as we have internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I had to do that in the, in the height of my burnout. And I, 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 it dawned on me, I was like, oh, shoot, this is burnout. This, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ha- I sat down and I wrote out what my top values were and they weren't being reflected in my schedule. So mm. I say I value my health, but I wasn't exercising. I was eating you know, mm. a bunch of junk yep. food and my values were all out of whack, which put me out of whack and it impacted the relationships with everybody around me. Nobody wanted to hang out with me because I'm like grumpy and irritable all the time. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it wasn't, you know, I, I had to do that. Like, okay, I'm living this out. And then I did take it that next step further and say, what does my ideal life look like? You know, just for mm-hmm. shits and giggles. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wrote yep. it out and it's, it's not like an instant thing, right? Like manifestation is not instant. Oh no. You, it's, it's a continual focus on this mm-hmm. goal and this dream and this lifestyle that you want to have. And low, like it, it shows up, it shows up in ways that we just can't even see coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's believing too. It's believing that something could be different. And I'll be honest. I didn't, I was very hopeless early in my career because I was in a lot of debt and making nothing Mm -hmm. 
and it was so discouraging because I'm like, why am I helping people when I can barely help myself? It was one of those places of like having to take a stop and be like, what, what is it that you, what does that dream life look like? Yeah, and at the I, time, the dream life seemed like, how? Yeah. <laughs> I had to apply for how food stamps. I, I was like a thousand dollars over. Oh no! <laughs> I was right in that middle space of I couldn't get nothing, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" It's true. It's true. I applied. I didn't actually get yep. it. I was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> like, right? Like, dollars. I'm I'm doing case management service, like looking like, well, maybe I need to come back here after work for myself. Right. It's it's like when you're in those circumstances in this field, it just gets so hopeless. But you really have to connect to. What is your overarching goal? My overarching goal over everything is the mind, body, spirit, evolution, and revolution of Black people. Mm-hmm. That is what I live and breathe for. So anything I'm doing, and obviously an agency is not going to have that goal, right? But any of the work I was doing, if any of the work I was doing was against that, which I found a lot because we, we understand in social work, we understand that America has a very racist system so that I was coming up against things I had to do in my job that did not align with my values. And that's when I had to start being like, well, maybe this needs to look different because I can't look myself in the mirror and go do this while I believe something totally different. Yeah. And it hasn't changed a lot. I mean, I talk to people all the time. There's some studies that come out that our social work students in 2021, 2020, they're struggling. Like their mental health has declined. Mm -hmm. The financial worries and the financial stress has increased. I mean, we're still broke and stressed out. And and this is just starting in grad school, you know, and it breaks my heart that that these amazing humans who choose to pursue social work are uh, struggling so much. So I think I know that what you're doing right now and the message that you're giving right now is needed now more than ever, more than we even needed it in, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's a good point of like, if you see somebody in your community or you see a therapist or whoever living the life or doing something that you feel like you want to do, pay attention to them, follow, follow them, reach. If you can reach out, pick their brain, ask questions, People who are living the life you want to live, ask questions because you never know. This I, I look like I live a certain lifestyle right now, but if you knew where I was coming from, you'd be like, how the hell did you get there? But that's what I'm saying. You might need some how the hell did I get there conversations with people because you'd be surprised how many people come up through social work and end up doing different things, but make it work for them. I, I was in real estate school while I was in grad school because I was like I ain't gonna make no money so the least I can like I had all of these theories of how to make money I was trying to make money and did I end up using that no I didn't but it was it, it speaks to that frantic feeling of I'm gonna be broke when I do this work so if you find a successful somebody or somebody who's doing what you want to do go sit down with them buy them some coffee yes I accept coffee if anybody's in Connecticut you know, buy them some coffee, go sit down and say, what, what did you do? What, what, what uh, path did you take? Because you'd be surprised. Some people get very creative. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that I've talked to recently that are successful, they had to get creative. They had this dream mm-hmm. and this vision and they're like, okay, my agency is not providing this. There are gaps yep. in the services. My people are not being served. So how 
And instead of just yep. complaining about it, like, it's not working, they switch the mindset and say, how can I do this better? What does that look mm-hmm. like? What it, And often it's an overwhelming, daunting, massive task. It is. It is. Yep. It is. And it's, it's two, one, understanding that one person is not responsible for changing the complete life of someone else. Mm-hmm. One, that's almost impossible. And two, that's very ego driven. Like, why, why? You remember that, that we are here to be helpful to people. So that means we have to look at the big things we do. But that also means we have to look at the little things we do. Like when you're in the supermarket and you see a little brown girl and you're like, you're pretty. I really like your hair. You have great conversation. Or when you're outside and you let somebody go in front of you and when you pay for the person behind you, these are all acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Looking at acts of kindness throughout your life and not just focusing on what you do at work. Because if you are truly a social worker at heart, your acts of kindness are not limited to your nine to five. So paying attention to that too of like, you are carrying out the work because you are who you are, not because of that nine to five. And that might shift how it feels too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. That's amazing. You have blown my mind again, Jelan. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, like to talk and I get paid to talk. If y'all hear me say anything else, if you can get paid to do what you love to do, you just wake up and be like, yo, I just made, I made, well, I like talking numbers. I did a training from nine to 12 today. I made $750. I'm done working. Yes. For, I, I only take clients Monday through Wednesday and I made an extra 750 on the top. I'm in my bed right now. When we hang up, I'm done for the week. <laughs> Hello, get creative, get your life together, get your prices together, get your website together, get your EIN number, get your tax ID number, get your MPI number, get your LLC and come it's worth it it's worth it it is worth it yes that's amazing where can people find you connect with you and learn more about your workshops i am at knowledgeofself.com so that's actually my name spelled backwards n-a-l-e-j of self.com you can check me out there. My um, TED Talk is also connected to that. You can check out my services. I am not no longer offering individual therapy, right? Because I feel like I'm I'm coming off of the front lines and more so going into training the next set of, um, you know, soldiers. I do consultations and I do clinical supervision as well. Mm-hmm. So check me out, reach out. And um, social workers are the best. Like I have to admit, I have three clients right now in the MSW programs. Because we sat down together in session and filled out applications together. Mm. Because the big thing that's important for me is if you're going to work in this field and you already have knowledge of the system because it's something that you grew up in, we need you. Yep. You're valuable. So, yes, do what you love. Love what you do. If you don't love it, then don't do it. That's another thing people forget, too. You don't got to do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't feel married to it. I don't. <laughs> Life is too short. I worked in hospice. I saw people, you know, pass away so young. Right? Life is too short mm-hmm. to be miserable. Do what you it love. Sure Do what you love. Have fun. And if you could make somebody smile, that's helping right there. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Thank you so much, Jelan. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so excited to see what you have coming up later this year. Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone listening, go forth and be great. And if you can think about it, it can happen. 
Awesome. Thanks, Jalan. Bye. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.